Just need to turn my zapper on again. I'm already over time, but it's all good. Hey, it's so good to be here with you tonight. For those of you that weren't here this morning, um, we were praying for you. Um, no, not really. We, we had a wonderful time this morning. I really want to take this opportunity to thank your pastors, Pastor Rob and Pauline, doing an amazing job here. And uh, one of the things I'm really genuinely excited about, I was here two years ago, and uh, is just seeing uh, what God is doing here, amen, seeing people um, see, seeing people step up into their gifts, and uh, one of the things that I want to prophetically declare uh, over this church, um, but I want you to, I want you to really hear it, is that what pastor, what, I was going to say what pastor God, I suppose that's theological, um, but what, what God is doing in pastor Rob's life at the moment is he's, um, he's releasing an apostolic anointing upon him, and so, I need you to understand what that means for you as a church because it's going uh, to involve uh, us as a church family getting together to release the gift that's on him for the body of Christ. Amen. And so, um, you know, I, I really believe, and I, I kind of mentioned it this morning, but I really believe in my spirit. One of the things I've been praying and fasting about uh, over the last three days as I prepared myself to be here uh, that's why I, that's why I went to that um, steakhouse the other night and had the 400 gram ribeye, um, and thought this is going to be awesome, but then could barely eat it. <laughs> um, but one of the things I know that God is doing and what God is saying over this house and over you, Pastor Rob, is that there's going to be an increase of the apostolic influence, and I see this place like a hub, and I kind of saw it like this place of um, I saw it like a, I had a, had a vision and a picture of uh, like, I don't even know what they're called because I'm not that very computer literate, but where uh, all the, it's, it's like a networking box. Someone help me, is anyone in IT? Some sort of server thing or jig. This is a powerful prophetic word, isn't it? Um, but where people are going to come in and it's like they're plugging in to what God is doing and the flow that's going out is as powerful as the flow that's coming in. And so the amazing thing about network cables is that they can do information both ways. There's upload and download. And I feel like this is a season where it's all been kind of like output. And I feel like God's saying, I'm going to reward your faithfulness. And this it's going to be reciprocal. And so it's going to be Inward, outward, if that makes sense. Don't be scared to take big steps because we as a church, we want to communicate to you that we're behind you 100% and that we can recognize the gift of God that is in you, both of you, for this region and how God is raising you up. And it's kind of like in both of you, Pastor Rob and Pauline, you've got this um, amazing gift of like, um, it's like Pastor Rob's going to bring leadership and that edge and Pauline, you just bring such a wonderful sense of home and family and joy and uh, all those sorts of things. And as you come together, it's gonna it's gonna be a sound and a thing that that this region are looking for. Amen. I, we're with them, right? We're with them. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. Well, I said this morning that I'm the husband of one wife, and. Um, and uh, her name's Alicia. She's amazing. And uh, I have four children. I have four children. 
And uh, every year our pastor releases like a theme for the year. And uh, this year one of the, our theme is like breakthrough and glory. And I kind of said, well, that's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe for that. But uh, I've got my own theme. And it's just for the Garner household. And it's a prophetic word over our life. And it's uh, four and no more. Just pray for me, people, please. Um, Our last baby, Maya. So I've got Ella, who's 11 this week, going on 15. Um, She turns 11 this week. And then I've got Hallie. Her name is short for Hallelujah. My wife was born in Zambia, but we're not quite that African that we just call our kids straight up Hallelujah. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got kids in our church, and it's like blessing, glory, Hallelujah, praise. We had to whiteify it a little bit just because of me. And so her name's Hallie, and uh, then I've got uh, my son, his name's MJ, and, uh, and uh, then we've got the, the lucky last, come on. Uh, her name is Maya, and uh, she's, she's a cute kid, and uh, I say that um, just thinking about all the lack of sleep, but it's all good. We're going to read one Bible verse tonight. I don't have it organized to put it up on the screen for you today, but just one Bible verse. Are you ready for that? How many know it's a good night when the preacher just says, we're just going to read one verse? Hey, you laughed too much just then. Um, And uh, we're going to just read it, Romans chapter 1. And we're just going to simply read Romans chapter 1, verse 1. This is a message that's fresh out of my personal devotional life. And uh, as I sit down and just begin to try to exegete the Bible from uh, where I sit and how it applies to my life. And I just want to simply read Romans chapter 1. I've got it up there. Any chance we could put that in the NIV? Any chance? Any chance? Let's see if they can work their magic here. It's happening. We're going to read it. Oh, give them a round of applause. What's your name? What's your name? Charlotte. Honestly, dinner's on me tonight. All right. Amazing. One of the things I've discovered about being a pastor is with the territory comes dad jokes. And uh, there's going to be plenty of them tonight. I'm not funny. Just laugh anyway to make me feel good. That'd be good. Verse number one, Paul. Romans is a profound book. If you haven't studied Romans, it's one of the richest books in the Bible. There is so much in the in the book of Romans, but if you're just reading it, uh, kind of from a surface level, then you're you're only going to really get out of it what you are prepared to invest into it. Does that make sense? And so you and I, we've got to be diligent and disciplined with, uh, with uh, how much we are digging into God's Word because honestly and truly there is so much in God's Word there just ready for us. And sometimes if we're just reading the Bible and not trying to submerse ourselves right into the text, right into the time. Imagine ourselves as the audience that the Apostle Paul in this case was speaking to or imagine the very setting that the Apostle Paul was sitting in when he was writing these scriptures then, or, or the, the climate, the things that were happen, happening politically around the world. It's easy for us to miss the essence of what the Bible is trying to say to us. And I just want to quickly read this verse and uh, then we're just going to preach it today. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Do you reckon we could read that together? It's really easy. Ready? One, two, three. Let's read out loud. Paul, 
a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. One more time. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. We're going to stop right there. It's fascinating, this scripture to me. In fact, as I was reading it just in my quiet time, I just felt in my heart, just the Lord, the Holy Spirit just say to me, stop right there. I want you to dig just deep into this one verse. And so it is my desire tonight to try to extrapolate, excavate this text as deeply as we can to bring out just a few nuggets of truth that I hope are going to help you and I be the people that God has called us to be. If you weren't there this morning, we were speaking about the kingdom of God and we were talking about how the kingdom of God is not a concept, is not a, uh, is not a thing that is far off anymore. In fact, Jesus made the kingdom of God something that was so close, so more than so close, he made it available so that it is, is in us. It is in us, the kingdom of God. We read 2 Corinthians, one of Paul's other texts to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. But you have, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, this treasure. And we, we established a thought this morning that, that uh, going right back to Mosaic law, the Torah, etc., we've been trying to reach heaven and that our whole purpose and our desire as mankind, as believers in God, has been to try to reach and touch heaven from earth. We've been trying so hard. We've been standing on the law as much as we can. We've been trying through works to reach heaven. But God knew that the works and law were never going to be enough to allow us and empower us to be the people that could really fulfill what God had called us to and see heaven invade earth. I want to remind you, this is exactly why Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6, where he was giving his disciples not just a prayer, but a pattern of how to pray when he said, Our Father who art in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, there is an immediate acknowledgement that God is in heaven. We're not praying to a God that is bound by what we are bound by. We're praying to a God that is in heaven. Remember, we spoke about the three heavens. We don't have too much time to get into that today, uh, tonight rather. But uh, he's, in, he's in heaven and therefore because he is in heaven, he is not bound by the things that we are bound by. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, here it is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there we have, a, we have a hint, we have a clue to what our mandate is as, is as Christians, which is to manifest heaven on earth. So often we think that that means that we've got to manifest heaven in church. And yes, we absolutely do need to manifest heaven in church. But friend, I want to tell you, that's the easy part of Christianity. If you don't worship in here, if you're not exuberant in your worship in here with hands lifted, not because the worship leader says or the, the loud Melbourne preacher says to do so, but simply because the Bible says that we lift holy hands. If there's not a joy in your heart when we praise God in here, you're going to struggle to live your Christianity out there. That's for sure. 
Because you're surrounded by people. This is an environment. This is a gateway of heaven. In fact, I really believe that the church of Jesus Christ should look so much like heaven. It should look more like heaven than it looks like earth. Amen. It should look way more like a manifest of manifestation of heaven and the perfection of heaven. You know what there should be in the church? There should be forgiveness. You know what there should be in the church? There should be absolute acceptance. You know what there should be in the church? There shouldn't be these little cliques and clans and this and that. No, there should be humility. There should be openness. There should be hospitality. There should be a place for every single person in that community. They should find their home in this place in the church of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, someone say amen and give God a praise today. We see that it is God's desire for us to be a people that manifest heaven on earth. I was trying to help you to understand this morning that, and one of my, the main phrases that I used was that we are no longer citizens of earth trying to touch heaven, but we are now citizens of heaven trying to touch earth. So we find ourselves in the book of Romans chapter 1, verse number 1, we find the apostle Paul introducing himself. You can just leave that up there all night, that is perfect. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Paul announces himself as a servant of Christ Jesus. But we need to dig a little bit deeper because a lot of these people, a lot of people, Paul had a big reputation. Paul had a reputation. For those of you that don't know and are not familiar with who the Apostle Paul was before he became the Apostle Paul, he was a man by the name of Saul. As Paul introduces himself, he specifically he, uh, he specifically says that his opening word in this text is Paul. Paul. Just little old Paul. I'm just Paul. I'm just Paul. I'm just Paul. I used to be someone else, but now I am Paul. You're saying about why this is important. Why is this important? It's important because it's important because Paul is trying to establish the uh, spirit by which he wants to communicate to this church, and he's saying, "I'm not anyone spe- more special than you. I'm just Paul." This is significant because if you know the story of Paul, Paul once was a man by the name of Saul. And if you read the book of Acts and you read through Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, up until Acts chapter 9, you will see the name of this man Saul littered throughout the, the, the book of Acts as, as, uh, as a man that was not for the church, but a man that was persecuting the church. In fact, in Acts chapter 6, the Bible tells us that the first uh, recorded Christian martyr is a man by the name of Stephen. And the, the Bible says that, that Paul's uh, employees essentially come and take the garments of Stephen and they come and dump them at the feet of Saul. 
because Saul was the one that gave the command and gave and had the authority and said, yep, let's go do this. We've got to make this happen. We've got to shut down this move of God. We've got to shut down what is happening. We've got to shut down. And a political and a religious system will always try to shut down what Holy Spirit is doing. But I want to tell you something. Death could not hold down Jesus. A religious spirit sure is not going to hold back the church of Jesus Christ. We find ourselves now in Acts chapter 9. Can I give you a little bit more detail about, about Saul? Is that all right? Is that all right? You sure? Just say yes if that's okay. It's good. I'm going to do it anyway. It was a rhetorical. No. Saul, this is what's interesting about Saul is Saul, Saul was a man. He was studying at the feet of Gamaliel. Now Gamaliel, for those of you that don't know, he was the high priest of this time. This is like the highest of the highest uh, people in the religious system of Jesus' day. And the Apostle Paul was his right-hand man. He was his 2IC. He was next in line to be the high priest, which was an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal thing for a young Jewish person to be. We could say that Paul set his life to being someone that was climbing that religious ladder. Saul was someone that set his life to be the highest that he could be in that way. The highest. Acts chapter 9, if you haven't read that story, I want to invite you to read it at some stage. But it's a story where Saul encounters God and God says, you're not Saul anymore, but you're now Paul. Paul. A servant of Christ Jesus. Say, Matt, why is this important? You're going on a lot about nothing. Not at all, friend. I want you to see today. Because the word Paul has Latin roots and it literally means little. We could say that the apostle, well, Saul, before he was Paul, Saul's life was dedicated to going as high as he could. But when he encountered Jesus, something radically shifted in him. He didn't want to climb high anymore. He wanted to go low now. Paul wasn't, wasn't motivated by how high he could get. Paul was now motivated by how much he could serve. Paul in this statement is saying, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. He was trying to say, you know what? If you are going to be someone of influence and significance in your world for Jesus, you need to be someone that is as little as you can. You need to be someone that is has their life dedicated to serving others. You need to be someone in this church that says no job or task is too small for me. If it means to be cleaning up the toilets, I'm going to clean the toilets. If it means to be serving in the car park, I'm going to serve in the car park. If it means to be doing, uh, making dinner for tonight, I'm going to make dinner for tonight. If someone needs to vacuum this auditorium, my hand's up the highest because there's no job that's above me because if anything's above you, then you've missed the very essence of what Christianity is about. Jesus summed it up when he said, I haven't, I haven't come to, to be served, but to serve. And they give my life a ransom for many. Can I ask you a very pointed question tonight? Is that good? Is that all right? You can write this down. You can think about it during the week. There's not going to be an altar call around this or anything like that. But I want to challenge you tonight because I don't want to just preach a message where I was like, yay, that was some good thoughts and just leave unchanged or unchallenged. 
But I really do want to invite you into thinking about what areas of life you serve in. How is the gospel of Jesus flowing through you? I'm not suggesting that every person in this church needs to be on this team or that team or give your life away to the church. But I want to tell you today, if there's not active service coming out of your life, maybe maybe you've lost contact with who this is all about. I just lost all my claps just then. People just, uh, three people walked out. No, I'm joking. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. A servant of Christ Jesus. A servant of Christ Jesus. Come on, you, you and I, we've got to aim to be like the Apostle Paul. When you have an encounter with God, your life gets turned around. And so maybe the real question that you need to answer if you're, if you're feeling unmotivated to serve God, maybe you need, back, need to go back to God and say, God, you know what I need? I need a fresh encounter. I need a fresh encounter because I've noticed as I read the Bible, I've noticed that every encounter leads to mobilization of people. Every encounter with God leads to activity with the church. Every encounter with God leads to someone doing something heroic. And we sit on the other side of the stories. But when they said yes to God because an angel of the Lord appeared to them, they didn't know what the outcome of the story is. And I want to encourage someone here today to take a risk for God, even though you don't know the outcome of the story. Because while you're wanting everything to be nice and perfect... While you're wanting everything to be worked out and hoping that you would know the end of the story, God is just still there saying, come on, just step out. So often I think we're waiting on heaven to move, but I honestly believe that heaven is waiting on the church to move. Paul, a, a, a servant of Christ Jesus, a servant of Christ Jesus. Can we be the kind of people that believe for big encounters with God? Are you with me? I want you to think just for a moment of the most unsavable person. Sounds weird coming out of my mouth. The most unsavable person that you know. <laughs> I want you to think about the hardest person. The person that you've known for years and years and years and years. I want you to think about that person. Don't look around too much, all right? <laughs> People are looking. Don't make eye contact with anyone at this moment. Okay, that's bad. That's going to be bad. But I want you to think about that, and I want you to think about the fact that Saul outdid those people. Saul outdid them. One of the things I love dearly about the church that I'm a part of, Planet Shakers Church, is that we would define ourselves as a present-orientated church. And the reason why we're a presence-orientated church, the reason why we kind of uh, we we participate even in the preaching is because we're believing for an encounter. We're believing for presence moments in every aspect of our service. Does that make sense? And so that's why we're quite rowdy and we participate a lot in in church because uh, we have a revelation that, uh, like John chapter one, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. You get down to about John, uh, John, 1, chapter, uh, John chapter 1 verse 
about 6 and it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word was Jesus. And so we just have this audacious belief that when the word is being preached, Jesus is being preached. And when Jesus is being preached, if we come before God with a heart of faith, encounters are happening all over the place. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so that's why we have this kind of fairly loud uh, loud church environment, if you like, because we know that when God's word is being declared, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And faith is the, the, faith is the, the fuse between heaven and earth. Faith is that thing that connects us from heaven to earth. And because we're connected in that way, miracles happen. They break out on a regular, on a regular occurrence in our meetings while the preaching's happening because we understand that there is power in God's word. I, I, want, I, really, believe, I really believe that we need to be the kind of church that are expecting miracles and encounters with God everywhere we go. I've spoken about church. We come to experience and believe them they can happen in worship and at the end of the message and all those sorts of things but come on would you be someone that has the audacity to believe that God that God can move powerfully while you're out there having a latte with someone can you be the kind of person that believes when you're on the job no matter what's happening you're just like God would you do something today would you use me today I'm believing for one of those big encounters I'm believing for some sort of divine appointment someone's going in this direction their name might be Saul but God after one encounter because I carry the kingdom of God they're going to go away completely radically changed they're going to encounter they're going to encounter me why because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world greater no, no weapon formed against me shall prosper why because Jesus is on the inside of me and because I'm a carrier of the kingdom of God I have a belief that wherever I go, people are going to encounter Jesus. When people encounter my life, can I just preach myself happy for a moment? Is that all right? I'm doing it anyway. When people encounter me, they might they might come into the proximity of my life somehow, and they might come into in, into meeting me addicted. But in Jesus' name, I'm going to believe that they go away from 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 meeting me completely set free, not because of who I am. I'm just an earthen vessel, but I carry the treasure of the kingdom of God inside of me. I believe that wherever I go, I take like an atmosphere of peace. And so when people are anxious and fearful and depressed, they're going to go away from my life, not receiving of the earthen vessel, but receiving of the treasure that is in the vessel. Somebody say amen. This is what happened with Paul. Paul had his life completely turned around. He had his life completely changed. Paul, an apostle, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. There's so much in this. It's interesting. I don't have time to break it down, but you can read it later. That word servant literally, uh, they've tried to just make it nice, but it literally just means the word slave. What's interesting there, can we just race through a few points and then I'll get to what I really want to say. That was all my introduction. It says, uh, a servant of Christ Jesus. Paul is very specific in the terms that he uses and how he puts things. Notice he doesn't say, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. In our heads, that would make more sense. But over 400 times, 
the phrase Christ Jesus is used, Paul is responsible for using it over 380 times of that about 400 times. Paul is trying to make a point. He is a slave of Christ Jesus. He's trying to point the church to Christ's divinity. He's not saying Jesus our Lord. He's not referring to his earthly given name. You shall call him Jesus. He's referring to him as Christ Jesus. That word Christ means the anointed and the anointed one. He's trying to point, Paul's trying to now point to the the divinity that is in Jesus by calling him Christ Jesus. And friend, what happens is when the church forget about the anointing of God, they just become something that is man-made. This is why we need to be Holy Spirit-orientated churches because otherwise we just become nice clubs. But when you're a Spirit-filled person in a Spirit-filled church, believing in a Spirit that still moves today, you're someone like the Apostle Paul that says, I am a slave of Christ Jesus. I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. What was he saying? Let's break it down. I am a slave of the anointing or the anointed one. A servant of Christ Jesus. Someone say, Matt, hurry up. Hurry up, I've got to hurry up. Called to be an apostle and set apart. This is where I want to land tonight. Are you learning something? You still there? In a moment, I'm going to invite you uh, because I believe that God wants to call people into a, into a new place. I'm going to invite you to respond. I expect in my heart, no pressure to you, but I expect in my heart, is all to be, to be full of people worshipping a good God as they step into, some, into a new, new sense of calling. I don't want to manipulate into, you into it. I don't, want you to, um, I don't want you to be responding just to what I've got to say tonight. I want you to re- be responding to what the Lord is doing in here. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. What's interesting about the, the language... Uh, the Greek language that it was written in is, is those, those words, to be, are not there. Paul, Paul in his writing, what's happening uh, in the, the commentary of that day is Paul, uh, God's now raised up Paul. Can you imagine it? He was murdering Christians and now he's writing the Bible. It's amazing. And there's a whole lot of conversation and questioning about the legitimacy of Paul's apostolic calling. Is he really an apostle? Because the way the disciples, there goes my timer, the way the apostles, the the other apostles were called was through Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? They went literally through Jesus. And isn't it just the way that as soon as we think we've got it worked out, do you know what I'm talking about? As soon as there's a system, this is how Jesus does it. Jesus does it. Jesus comes and breaks the system so that we won't be reliant on a system, but so that we'll be reliant on him. Oh, but this is God how it's always been done. This is how churches have always been planted. This is how you've always raised, this is how you raised up the other apostles. Excuse me. And so there was a question about the legitimacy of Paul's apostolic calling, but Paul is not entering into that argument when he makes this statement. 
In fact, it doesn't say called to be apostle. If it said called to be an apostle, we would get the idea that maybe Paul is trying to defend the claim that he actually is an apostle. Now, don't go to sleep on me. This is going somewhere. This is important right? Called to be an apostle. Really, the Greek language, you've got to remove those two words, to be. They are just there so that we can actually make sense in English of the statement in the Greek. But really what it should read is Paul, a servant, a a slave of the anointing Christ Jesus, a called apostle. Paul is not defending whether he's an apostle or not. He is making a statement about the God-given identity that he has received from God. Paul, a called apostle, a called apostle. Your anointing and who you are doesn't flow out of who you want to be. It flows out of who God has called you to be. Man, oh man, I wish I worked this out, Pastor Rob, as a young pastor because I tried for years thinking that the anointing of God flows through a style of ministry, but it doesn't. The anointing doesn't flow through who you want to be. The anointing flows through who you actually are. So you and I need to get over trying to be like the person that's next to us and realize that God has anointed us and called us and there is, there is a flow of God's power that he wants to release in the earth that looks like us, not like the person next to us. That's why, see, see that's why David couldn't wear Saul's armor. Because the miracle of God, the breakthrough for a generation, isn't going to flow through you when you're trying to look like another man. It's going to flow through you when you're just like, I am a called apostle. Your identity in God, that's what we were talking about this morning, is that your identity is that you now carry heaven on earth. Stop trying. I want to set you free tonight from trying to be, uh, to, to, to trying to wrap up your calling in the style of someone else, in the vibe of someone else, in the look of someone else, in the haircut of someone else, in a church that does this and and they do that. No, God's got something unique right here for you. And when you lock into that unique calling and gifting, you watch that apostolic calling and power being released through you to go and touch this world. Do you believe that today? I believe it. I'm about to praise God all by myself in this place. God is good. He called apostles set apart. You've been called. I just want to, I'm just going to finish with this one, one thought. You know, that word called simply means to summons. To summons. In a moment, I'm going to summons the worship team back up here. As you know, as I've already mentioned, I've, I'm a father of four children, and I spend a lot of my time summonsing my children. Sounds bad. Someone's like ringing DHS. I don't know what you call it here, but... Uh, we've got this crazy parent. Um, but it's true, isn't it? We, it's like we, we call, we're summonsing. And isn't that what God does? He, he summons us. There's a call that goes out. The craziest thing about the call of God is that we always have an opportunity to say yes or no. I think the most dangerous and the craziest thing about the call of God is it's not the soul on the road to Damascus callings that we need to really be mindful of because they're easy to say yes to. It's the silent, small voice 
of God's calling. It's when it comes through the sound of another man's voice. It's when it comes through an opportunity. It's when it comes through something that we're familiar with. Think of Samuel and Eli. Remember Samuel, Eli's the, the, the prophet. Samuel's like in training. And he hears, well, God speaks and says, Samuel, Samuel. And what does he hear? He hears it through the voice of Eli. And if we're not careful, we can be like that where we can be thinking that's just Pastor Rob or Pauline inviting me to step into some other thing. But no, really, it's the voice of God calling you into something brand new. It's Josh saying, we'd love for you to step into youth and step up and do this and do that. And God, believe it or not, God, even his voice won't even flow through someone like him. <laughs> if he can flow through me, he can flow through anyone. Come on. It's the voice of God. And I believe right now in this moment, God is summonsing people to something brand new. You don't have to know what that summonsing is to. You just have to respond to him. So I've got four kids and I often summons them. It sounds like, sounds, sounds like, hey, hey, kids, dinner's on. Dinner's ready. Come on. Come for dinner. And as a father summonsing my children, I'm not, overly concerned about what they're in at that moment. Because as a father, my ability to see into their future is greater than theirs right there and then. And so when I summons them or call them, I'm not calling them, my calling of them is not based upon where they find themselves in that moment. My my, my son might be might be uh, watching YouTube Kids. It's his favorite pastime. Don't judge me, parents out there. Um, the kid, the girls might be uh, might be building some epic Lego tower thing or something like that. There might be something else going on. But my calling of them, my summonsing of them into this next thing, is not predicated upon what they find themselves in that moment. One of them might have been fighting. MJ might have just knocked out his sister. I'm not sure. They could have been yelling. They could have been shouting. They could have been this. That, that could have been happening. My calling of them for the next season of their life is not predicated on their behavior that day. It's predicated upon what I have prepared for them for their future. Oh, God could never use me. Yes, he could because he's not looking at the mess that you find yourselves in right now. He's not looking at the trouble that you find yourself in right now he's not look he's not he doesn't call you based upon whether you're busy or there's enough time in your schedule to fit in the calling that he has for your life ah he just calls you anyway because when the father summons you you have an opportunity to respond and I'm here to tell you today when the father calls you he has a place prepared for you that is far greater far more powerful and has all the resource waiting for you on the other side of your yes to his calling so tonight can you hear the supernatural calling of God I'm going to get the worship team up I'm going to summons you right now I feel so good here tonight just feel at home feel like I'm just talking to my my church we had our biggest numbers in church today 
on record. We had 750 people in church this morning. It's pretty amazing. And um, phenomenal. God is good. I'm just saying that because I'm excited about it. I'm not meaning to brag. What's ironic is I'm in the process of actually handing over that campus to someone else. And um, the numbers are going up. How dare they? It's fantastic. There's a calling. There's a calling. Called apostle and set apart. For every calling, there's a setting apart. I grew up in a fairly legalistic church environment as a kid. And it made being set apart about what you, about the do's and don'ts. Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't smoke, don't drink. Back in the day, I remember, I'm just being real, man. I, I remember our pastor getting up, putting a big bin up the front of church, called it the sin bin. And uh, I grew up a bit of a surfy type of kid growing up in Western Australia, go West Coast premiers. Anyway, um, no one's going to respond now. Um and I remember him saying that, you know, if you're a guy and you've got an earring, it's a sign of slavery and you're bound by a curse. So come and put it in the thing. In my, in, and to be honest, in my desire just to serve God, I came up, took my earring out, put it in the sin bin. Don't know if I felt free. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. But I had a desire to serve God. Religion makes being set apart about, about what you can't do. That's not really what being set apart is about. <laughs> You've had an encounter with religion if you're weighing up what you're leaving. You've had an encounter with Jesus if you're excited about what you're stepping into. <laughs> oh, sometimes I scare myself. And so being set apart isn't about what we're leaving. Being set apart is about the future that God has. I just hear the voice of Holy Spirit inviting you, calling your name, saying, come on this morning. I've gone way over tonight, way over time. I apologize about that. But come on, we're just going to take five more minutes if that's all right. We're going to take five minutes. Are you? I know people have been cooking. Are you hungry? But can we just do this? Is that all right? We'll have dinner in five minutes later than normal. Is that all right? Come on. There's a call. There's something in the Spirit that's happening right now. I sense it even right now. I can just feel the Holy Spirit. I feel His, I, I can hear His voice. I can hear it in me just saying, come on, Matt, step into something new today. Why don't you stand to your feet and say, Matt, I want to be that person. I want to respond to the call of God. Set apart. Set apart. Come on, it's your time. It's your time. You can respond. And we're just going to sing. We're just going to worship God. Let's sing that last song, guys, I think. We're just going to worship. And I want to invite you out of your seat. I want you to come fill this front area if you can. If you can't make it that far, just lift your hands where you are. But come on, do something that just indicates to God. you saying, God. I'm responding to your call. I'm responding to your call. Come on, let's worship.